But let's talk metals here with Zane Callion. He's joining us this morning, CEO and director of Infinity Stone Ventures. Zane, welcome. Good to have you back. I want to begin with the Fed chair speaking today and what you'll be listening for from Jay Powell's comments. Yeah, I think overall you're starting to hear a little bit more of a dovish tone in, in what he's saying, and I think that's all obviously positive for a number of reasons. Um, I think everyone's maybe kind of changed their opinion and thinking that maybe there could be a, a soft landing that's stuck here in the next couple months. But at the same time, I think you're also seeing still a lot of pessimism um, from a lot of people, and I think that particular um, perspective is still going to be really pervasive um, over the next couple of months. So the market's priced in, I think, a lot of the rate, the rate hikes that are coming, and I think there's a lot of optimism still, but at the same time, I think you're, you, there's still going to be a, a little bit of uncertainty. Does the uh, sharp increase that we saw in terms of the non-farm payrolls, does that change the tone to a more hawkish one? I mean, the Fed's been pretty clear in terms of uh, data dependence, not data point dependence. I guess I'm wondering if they'll shrug off this one report. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, I think. From my perspective, I think you jobs are going to be, like you have obviously a lot of opinions that you, this all this job data is really going to lean them to maybe increase rates a little bit more or continue to increase them. But I think what's realistically going to happen is they'll just keep rates higher for a longer okay. period. I think you're going to start to see the data catch up behind that. And I think that's going to be, it won't be as hawkish as many think. Mentioned at the top of the show, that seemed to be the tone from Kashkari, from Bostic. It may not necessarily increase the pace, but it should increase the terminal rate uh, if this continues, especially. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, I started off the block talking about copper and how it's a pretty good indication of demand with U.S.-China tensions on uh, making headlines on our radar to begin the week. I guess I'm curious your thought on the impact from geopolitical tensions on demand as it kind of seems to have balanced out that China reopening story and expectations associated with. Yeah, I think the the current geopolitical situation between China and the U.S. is a little bit overblown, and, okay. and that's my personal opinion. I think that what's happened with the, the spy balloon and all the kind of things that have happened over the past week are going to be the big focus for the, call it foreseeable, the next two or three weeks. But I do think you're going to start to see a little bit more softening in the rhetoric, and I think that'll probably manifest itself in some sort of... Um, meeting of the minds in the next couple months. Yeah, I just wonder, because it's sort of combined with some uh, already tensions revolving around some of the semiconductors as well, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Now, kind of getting a, a little bit back towards your operations, I'm wondering, in Canada, I'd imagine those are somewhat insulated from some of the uncertainties and risks associated with China, for example, as our neighbors to the more north, oftentimes a little bit more level-headed in terms of their approach, uh, a little bit less of an all-or-nothing uh, kind of a, a mindset. For sure, and I'm no doubt like this, all this, the situation with China and kind of this new push towards a domestic supply chain and looking mm -hmm. at Canada as a big supplier of critical energy metals is really is really great for the Canadian economy. And I think that's not gonna go anywhere regardless of the position between China and the US because it's this this move from, I've heard, I heard somebody say it last week, move from uh, just-in-time uh, manufacturing to just-in-case manufacturing, mm -hmm. having a just-in-case supply chain. So I think Canada is always a hedge. We're, we're located, we're one of the biggest, we're the, we are the biggest trading partner of the US, and I think that's going to be really critical. Um, critical energy metals are, are going to be a big part of the future, and there's obviously a big supply chain being built in terms of EV manufacturing, battery manufacturing, all across that eastern seaboard, um, and Canada's going to be a big part of that one way or the other. But at the same time, I think with what's going on in China, um, that 
I do believe that having an integrated globalized economy is, is critical. I think it's good for everybody in a lot of ways. Um, and I do think you're going to start to kind of see a little bit of a move back towards that kind of position, um, especially as a lot of other companies start to kind of push and let's say the private sector starts to push and kind of really help governments and help the rest or help the world realize that we can say as much as we want and say that we want to have a supply chain that all of our EVs come with metals from friendly trading partners in Canada and other parts of the world. But at the end of the day, China controls so much of that manufacturing and it's still going to be so critical for the foreseeable future. Maybe, uh, again, kind of along lines of the uh, rhetoric associated with this uh, uh, surveillance balloon, the spy balloon, ultimately, maybe it's more kind of smoke and mirrors uh, in terms of some of this deglobalization kind of talk. Maybe we will sort of need to revert back to a sense of normalcy, ultimately. Let's talk about how we recently heard about, well, for example, some of these big uh, uh, automakers, GM, putting $650 million, a significant investment in Lithium America, and uh, what you've been telling us for a while now about how more investments in metals are necessary for the transition to electric vehicles yeah it really it's critical and i think you're starting to see it a lot governments were, were kind of the first people to start focusing on it giving a lot of grants and helping companies get loans and, and build out their facilities but you're also seeing the private sector making a big piece of it and um i think G, the gm deal last week is, is one piece and i think you're going to start to see a lot of other other um, more established automakers really kind of start to acquire mines, start to make investments in mines um, and really secure that supply chain. Uh, Zane, lastly, if we start to get a little bit more of a hawkish tone from Fed Chair Jerome Powell, if the jobs reports provide a bit more significant headwinds, and I think it's two more CPI reports and one more uh, non-farm payrolls prior to the next Fed March decision, uh, do you expect that to ultimately impact demand on the longer term? I mean, or do you see that as far as something that uh, the global economy can kind of avoid in terms of some of those worst-case scenarios in the new year? Well, I think two weeks ago you saw the data coming out of Europe that was suggesting, or a year, week and a half ago, the data coming out of Europe that suggesting that uh, the whole eurozone could avoid a recession. And mm -hmm. I think now mm -hmm. you're starting to hear that rhetoric in the in the North American market, in the U.S. market. And I think it will be really interesting to see how that kind of progresses over the next couple months, uh, or the next couple of weeks, for that matter. Um, I think at the moment I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe we're we're going to see kind of a a soft landing for that matter and demand will will remain stable um but at the same time the jobs data could could come back and that could really uh result in more rate hikes and i don't think the market's expecting another or any more rate hikes and i think the length or the duration of kind of these high rates um i think that's probably priced in but it's if we keep with the rhetoric that's that we're uh, hearing then i think we're probably going to be pretty okay yeah, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the next block, but it does seem like 10-year uh, yields are very comfortable right around this 3.5 level recently coming off or uh, just below that area. Zane, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate you joining us and sharing part of your Tuesday with us here on the TD Ameritrade Network. Zane Callian, CEO and Director of Infinity Stone Ventures.